So you want to go have these on some of these iPod beanies? <laughs> oh, wait, AirPod beanies. Hmm. We should. I you, you posted these in the Slack yesterday, and if they had been available on Amazon, I, I definitely would have. It's only 20 bucks. But um, I don't know if they have free shipping or not, but I'm totally into this because it's been a long running joke on this show that's been on forever about iPod socks. You remember there was a year when the iPod, maybe the third or fourth gen came out and they introduced a very, very costly, like $100 (laughs) leather case for the iPod. But then they also, just for the fun side of it, introduced basically some very simple cotton socks that had the apple logo on a tag on the side and there's called ipod socks and everybody was just like what the fuck is this but it it's it's been an enduring cute product for a very long time Mm -hmm. so yeah uh you should buy these and i'll send you ten dollars plus tax on square cash (laughs) and i called dibs on the like the coral ish colored one and you can definitely have the green one thank you yeah, I probably need to buy these. Anyway, yeah. uh, AirPod beanies. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yep. So on that note, though, uh, the iPod turned 20 this Oof. week. Hasn't there been a whole bunch of... Yeah, so that it, your, your, your reaction's correct because that has brought <laughs> up many things um, about... As, as one gets older, you start hearing about a lot of stuff that still feels only like five years ago. And somebody will give the context that that is um, now one or more decades old and it, it it's really a it's really a kick in the teeth my big takeaway from all the ipod turns 20 talk has been sort of how short the ipod era was like prior to these discussions in my head the ipod was sort of this almost like era in tech but it it really wasn't because I think the time period between Apple adding Windows support and then the first iPhone coming out, which I would sort of describe as being sort of, you know, peak iPod, like wasn't very long. Wasn't that only yeah. one or two years? No. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I think your point's actually very astute and it makes a lot of sense because the original iPod was introduced in October of two. I was going to say 2001, but that sounds awkward. 2001. And then the iPod Classic, which I kind of think of as like the last iPod for the most part, because they kept making nanos and stuff for a while. But that came out. Um, I just had this up. Uh, 2000, uh, fall of 2007. So that's a six year window for what was thought of as kind of a redefining and product changing. Sorry company changing product for apple right and in really the first couple of those years it was mac only yeah sought after product but mac only at a time when you know owning a mac was was not very common let's say so when was itunes introduced so yeah i yeah to even to further narrow your point itunes for windows was released october of 2003 so yeah that was like that was a three-year window yeah, so just it like, yeah, and in my head that it was much much longer, but it really was just this relatively short period of time that then you know gave way to 
this you know, iPhone era, which you know, is really an era. I mean, we're what going to be, it'll be what four, has it been 14 years? Is it two, the yeah. January 2000? Was it but January I mean, 2007? But I mean, the... Apple has goes through, yeah, so it was January 2007, and then we all remember the um, the Hello ad for the iPhone back when they were marketing it as being a singular phone, and then it launched in June of 2007. There, there's been some discussion around that too, kind of connected with the iPod, and something that was mentioned pro- probably by Jason Snell, if we're being honest. <laughs> Which which kind of sparked a, a memory that I had with the iPhone event, which was you know this was the these were the days when there was no concept of you know live streaming Apple events like Apple didn't do it they didn't allow anybody else to do it and so you know everybody had to follow along on the live blogs and you well, you get you get like pictures and stuff but I I distinctly remember following along with the live blogs but then being so excited for Apple yeah. Are we talking about iPhone or iPod? iPhone. Okay. Um, like being so excited for Apple to post the video of the event, which which they would do, but it would be like later in the day. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, there was some level of excitement following the live blogs and seeing the handful of pictures and stuff. But then it was, you know, watching the video later in the day where I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, because when, when, back in the live blog era, like you didn't really get like the stagecraft and the like the narrative element you're just you're getting because they're the engadget folks are latching on to the like the specs and and but you're not hearing the entirety you're not really seeing the whole because that that first event was actually i don't know how somehow we got from talking about the ipod to the iphone but like the the when when steve's just doing the like the scrolling through the covers uh around in the music app like that was that was a very you get way more from that than you would ever possibly understand from just uh, a tech blogger just rattling off specs and and features and um interspersed with a couple of still images well and the the thing with the iphone event too is that so much of that device even to this day but it was particularly novel with the first iphone was all of the animations like and the scrolling and just the the you know the the seeing somebody use one like all you didn't Mm -hmm. get any of that on on the live blog but then when you you know watch the video later and steve jobs pulls up you know the full version of the you know newyorktimes.com on mobile safari it was like yeah that's that's pretty rad was that the one where he told everybody to turn off their wi-fi hotspots or was that a different one (laughs) i think that was a different event it might have even been like like the 3gs or something the 3g yeah or like even the 3g it might have been like that next year Mm -hmm. yeah pretty good um yeah, going back to the iPod though, um, that makes it, but that that was an, a time before even tech blogs existed. Like that was back in the Slashdot era. So there's two two things before we move on from this. Like, do you do you remember? Were you aware of the iPod when it was released? And 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 I mean that like, do you were you aware of it from day one, or did you just like not find? Because like back then, like new tech products could be introduced and you could not know about it until like six months later when just randomly like somebody had one. I think I did because my dad and I would do this thing where almost every weekend, like usually like on Sundays, we would just sort of go into Best Buy and just sort of, you know, walk around and kind of see what was new, see like what was happening with prices on stuff. So I'm pretty sure (laughs) I would 
I w- I'm pretty sure that I you know saw an original iPod in that context, but I didn't you know didn't follow it all that closely. I don't think because I yeah I didn't own a Mac, so it w- it wasn't for me. And it mm. was it was pretty expensive too. So not, not for what it was, not for I mean, what it was, but as you know, a middle schooler or young high schooler or whatever we were at the time, like it was more more money than more money than I had. Well, yeah, but in terms of the um. The cost, though. Let me send you a link that's relevant. So the... um, (laughs) I'm sure you've seen this, but so Slashdot was a place where people posted like tech news a very, very long time ago. And one of the most popular comments of that day was somebody named um, the brand... uh, The Brown Fury. He wrote, no wireless, less space than a nomad. Lame. (laughs) Which is what most most of the non-Mac people did think, which is... Yeah, it was interesting. But no, but I do remember the iPod specifically because I I was staying late for some reason in eighth grade at uh like they had some like type of like video production class. And I remember the the facilitator or teacher of that class was a big um Apple guy. And uh yeah, that evening yeah, it's like, Oh yeah, we have a, a firewire iPod and it's got five gigs of storage and you can hold a thousand songs. I was like, Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then uh, it was delayed initially because uh, nobody wanted to introduce anything um, after September 11th. So, man, I haven't thought of FireWire in a while. Well, because that was the thing. Because in the also the other reason, sorry, this is all over the place. But that slash dot thing was, is interesting. Is because I had a Nomad Jukebox Three, which was, and if you Google it, it's a very very funky looking device it's like basically like a um a rounded off disk man that had a 20 gigabyte laptop hard drive in it it's a very strange product but almost every mp3 hush every mp3 player was like usb 1.1 is that what it was called what was the one that was well so i on the um creative nomad nomad being an all caps wikipedia page well but th- this one was actually weird because it did actually support firewire but the yeah well so there's version... <laughs> there's a very um they actually so they, there's different i guess like models of this thing so there's the nomad and then there's the nomad muvo and the nomad jukebox zen so three and with, well with within i don't see that anywhere but within Oh, here we go. Creative Nomad Jukebox 3, which is in the Nomad Jukebox Zen section here. Um, Within each of these sections, the products are actually categorized based on what type of USB connection they had. And so, yes, USB 1.1 was what the Jukebox 3 had. Yeah. But also also it, features a FireWire connection, according to Well, yeah, it, it was a, such a weird thing where, yeah, because like on, in Windows land, they wouldn't call it FireWire because I guess they didn't want to pay up the, the royalty or whatever, where they called it like IEEE 1394. I thought FireWire uh, was a Sony thing. Am I misremembering that? No, Sony and Apple partnered to make it, but Sony, because Sony, you know how like they, like they have, they had memory stick, they had all, they called it iLink. Oh, so, yeah. And they only ever used that weird like miniaturized square version of firewire where sometimes you come across an electronic device with that on there and you're like well nobody has any cable that works with this um but yeah, but, the, but the nomad jukebox 3 was a super weird product and it had double battery like it was the most pc user possible take on what an ipod 
would be. And I forget if it came out before or after, but it was just, it was like the gaming PC of MP3 players. It was very weird and oddly a very good product. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, two other quick pieces of follow-up or, or random stuff for, unless you have anything else. No, I think I think that's enough with um, our walk down uh, nostalgia lane. Okay, so now we talk about the present tense, which is this is follow up from last week where we talked about the In and Out fries controversy. We're not talking about In and Out this week, but it did remind me of a very old article I remember reading that I forgot to mention on the show that somebody um, or a group of hardware uh, health professors described that the appropriate number of fries is six. Well that's, well, that's wrong. It is, but <laughs> is this why people are mad at coastal elites or or uh, <laughs> the the educated elites? I don't know, but yeah, six six fries is not um, is not nearly enough, and this is why maybe people uh, don't think college degrees are worth what they used to. <laughs> and then, lastly, because uh, Halloween is coming up, and mm, your, uh, your we, favorite holiday, yeah, it's not at all. <laughs> Again, we've covered why November 1st, back when I was irresponsible, me, was um, was a favorite holiday. That's half oh, price candy day. Discounts on the, you and uh, Mike Isaac, yeah. Wait, what was that? Oh, he's he's real big into the, like, post-Halloween going to a Walgreens and just going nuts no, he, with the, <laughs> the half price candy. Well, but he wouldn't go to a Walgreens, he'd go to a Boots. No, I think it's Walgreens. No, so Boots is the British company, and they uh, merged across the pond with Walgreens, and now their stock is called Walgreens Boots Alliance, which is, I always, I don't know why I always find that funny when I hear it on the news. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. Um, I forget what, like why I have this in my notes. Uh, oh, I, I do remember. Wait, what, why are you laughing? But I'm going to tell you why it's funny, but I'm not sure if we're going to latch on to the same reason. Well, you go first. No, you go first because you snickered, and I'm I'm curious now. Well, I mean, this is just this is just silly. What? Tell me the 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 hanging candles. Oh, that's the silliest part of this picture to you. Well, I mean, so I, I guess in. that's um okay. Um, well, I mean, I'm just seeing I'm seeing a bunch of Harry Potter and Halloween stuff. What am I looking for here? And they have the thing where the the Muggles say that they're up to no good or whatever. Right. On the little, very much the little, I don't know what the board is called when you get the thing with the little letters. I have one of these too, but it says breakfast served all day. But the thing where you get. Mine says, um, I'm not going to say her name, but lady in a can clean my bathroom and it's in my bathroom. Mm. Mm. I like like that. I'm technically be addressing the Roomba at that point, unless uh, your dog had a little thing, in which case you need the newer version of the Roomba. I know the, the, um, the. the, the, room, poop, uh, the poop the, promise or whatever <laughs> <laughs> no because the the uh, now i remember why i saved this and you'll put a link in the show notes because otherwise this is very boring to everybody um so this was posted on the subreddit cozy places just seems nice seems like a good reddit yeah it's a decent one i I think the quality has been declining i think people the aesthetic that people people seem to think that just putting a bunch of plants in your apartment is homey and i strongly disagree with that do do people also just post a bunch of pictures of really small apartments in here? No, like they won't post like expansive houses, but like you know, like it's like cabins and stuff like that. 
Yeah. I was I was I was trying to make a joke there. I, I don't think it really landed the way I wanted it to. That's fine. oh, and I I know you're 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 somebody who's a fan of using a cozy as a pejorative. I, we we know this. <laughs> no, the reason why this is, this is an interesting picture or why this is frustrating is look at that TV. Look at the black levels on that TV. <laughs> no. How like that is profoundly gray. Well, this um. Oh wait, I was gonna say um. This was from like 2014, but that's no, when r slash cozy places was created. No, this was posted like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, mm. Mm. it makes you appreciate OLED for sure. It does. Like I, I don't know. Like it's just like, and I see this on Instagram sometimes. Like people just post like, oh yeah, hey, I'm watching the Red Sox game or whatever, and I'm like, man, you really got to upgrade your TV. It, what I, it is funny with the OLED because yeah, I've I've talked about that tcl roku tv that we've got in the, in the living room which especially for the price is it's a really really nice tv and i'm you know i'm relatively picky with tvs as, as i think we've probably documented pretty well on this show but i think it's i think it's a really nice tv but whenever we go back to the oled i'm like oh oh yeah actually no this 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 is this is a lot better it's similar to the like the camera or the like the phone camera pictures versus like the standalone camera pictures where it's like oh you think your iphone mm-hmm. you know pictures look nice and, and they do but then it's like you look at some photos from your fancy camera and you go oh yeah no these are these are way better uh yeah as a slightly imperfect analogy but i but i i get it um but but the the tcl tv isn't that supposed to be like a that's like a daytime and a sports tv so the black levels are probably not that. Important. Well, I mean, it you know, it, it, in this house, it functions as kind of a, a secondary TV. So for that purpose, it's you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. The the you know, the idea of moving the fifty five inch OLED into that space and then replacing it in the primary TV viewing area with a sixty five um, inch OLED that was um, that idea was um, was declined. Oh, you got cinema. <laughs> um topical all right closing this tab all right anything else before main business no i think that was a was a good amount of uh random stuff before we get into the 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 meat meat of the show here okay uh are you good with this order or do you want to do you want to switch up the apple stuff I, I do kind of want to hear about your very bad rainy Sunday. I mean, not to make you relive a very bad rainy day, but I am curious what the what the topic is here. So this is also going to be very random, um, and it's going to be all scattered. And I and I apologize to the listeners for that, but uh, those are uh, the good ones. No, it, it, this this won't be because this, this is a frustrating one. So for people in Northern California, uh, this went uh, this weekend was what, what was the term they kept using? Atmospheric river. Well, there were two different terms. There was atmospheric river, and then there was something something else, like a, Cyc- something, a cyclone bomb or something. Cyclone bomb, yeah, something like yeah. that. Sounds a lot like of rain. A, sounds like a Canadian hockey team. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very very rainy, and I'm somebody who I love a rainy day. Like I really really do, and I also don't actually mind a rainy day without power. Like if if I'm inside, I'm cozy. It, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, this Sunday we got like five inches of rain along with extremely, uh, heavy or, uh, strong winds. 
And I, I, w- I was psyched for it. And in the morning, I even thought, like, you know what? This is going to be a grilled cheese day. I'm going to go out and get some. I'm going to go to the overpriced grocery store in Marin, and I'm going to go get some fresh bread. And it's going to be great. And then when I got home, uh, like 20 minutes later, the the power shut off. I was like, oh, that sucks, but okay. And then I don't know why I pa- happened to pass by it, but I went into my very cozy apartment. It has like a little server closet in it. Or it's got a it's got a closet that has been repurposed, and, I, and I've shoved all the technology stuff in it. And I was wondering, like, why, why is there water on the TiVo? Oh, and so there was a, 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 a the heavy rains, and there was a roof leak. Oh, uh, oh. in the in the server closet. Oh, <gasps> so wasn't a good weekend. So. The stuff oh, that I have I, in there is... I, I, I missed that in the... Or can I even see that in the... I, I, I missed I feel, that I in the f- photo. Yeah, I, I think I tried to put a good spin on it and didn't, didn't dwell on this. So a, a couple of things. So in, in the server closet, it's kind of like it, there's a tiered like server rack system where on the top I've got document scanner, a flatbed, flatbed scanner for photos, uh, the TiVo, Synology, Mac Mini, a whole bunch of networking equipment, a whole bunch of stuff in there. And I was like, it's like, what, what, what is going on? Did I like somehow like just like messily like dry off my hands in the server closet or something? I, I didn't know why. Cause it wasn't like a ton of water, but it was some, and I was very confused. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, oh shit. Like it's, it's leaking from the roof. And I looked at the document scanner. Like I was like trying to trace the path of like where stuff was getting wet because here's the thing I had been on the computer earlier in the day and I was working in Lightroom. So obviously the Synology was working and my network was up. So like not everything's broken. So I trace it back and my Epson document the scanner and photo scanner, which I've I've dubbed Wally uh, a few years ago, it uh was very full of water. <gasps> so I I think like wally sacrificed himself and died yeah it's like again this would be a much uh much better premise for wally too whenever they they make a sequel from it because that's what disney does so yeah i was like i was like okay this this has kind of like a lot of water on it and in it and there was luckily nothing on the synology that i could see and there was some drops on the tivo and i was like well this is this is no good so i frantically power everything off because it was all still running on ups power because this is the other part like like the lights aren't on i was like not really thinking straight i was like oh this is all running on battery backup i've got like 70 minutes to try to power everything down and yeah this the I, i think the document scanner took most of the hit and everything else survived and now my synology lives tucked away in the living room like in the bookshelf now which is probably better for cooling is something i've been meaning to do anyway but yeah i don't know sometimes you get really unlucky something bad happens but you realize how sometimes luck works in your favor because i'm even though i have like six terabytes of photos backed up on backblaze b2 and that is all current and working like if the Synology had, had broken one, pulling that down would have been expensive and also take forever. And also replacing a Synology, an eight base Synology that has what's what's eight times eight? Sixty four. 
Uh, so, and then minus, um, minus 16, 48. Replacing a Synology with 48 terabytes of space is, that would have been very expensive. So I don't know. I, 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 I got lucky, but also this kind of sucks. Wow. Yeah. What the not, that was not the direction I was expecting that to take, but yeah, yeah classic, like bad situation that could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it stinks and it was rough. And here's the thing. Like I have, I'm cautiously optimistic. So I've, I've left the Epson, uh, was it FW 660 or something? Uh, the uh, document and photo scanner I've left it out in the sun for a while because like a lot of the water that was collected like I literally took it over to the kitchen sink and like I could hold it on its side and water would just come out of it (laughs) but I think because the way that it works like all the electronics are in the middle of it and like there's like a whole big like very plasticky like the thing that like the document feeder and the thing the tray that holds the stuff so I'm not going to plug it in for like a week, but I'm tempted. I, I I think there's maybe a seventy thirty shot that it turns on again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you might really, be all right. I really hope it does because that scanner's five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um. Anyway, so that's it. So yeah, so the Mac Mini was also fine, luckily. So the Mac Mini and the Synology now live in my bookshelf, which means I had to rewire. I'm happy I had another ethernet switch and was able to get all that stuff wired up and that was a an unexpected project for a sunday um but the other part about this that was vaguely interesting is um i erased my tivo and just unplugged it and i think i'm going to cancel tv Mm -hmm. because i thought about it and well but but i don't have the same situation because i i'm not going to sign up for youtube tv I, i don't know what to do here because I, I could not remember the last time I had... Oh, well, the last time I used the TiVo was to watch the Giants game. But before that, I think the entire summer, those are the only, like, three days I used cable TV. Well, that, I mean, I I've, this is thinking ahead a little bit, but I'm already kind of thinking that, yeah, come come June, like, basically YouTube TV can kind of, like, go into hibernation (laughs) like i we could basically unsubscribe to it from june through october and then just sign up for it again because i mean same thing like during the summer in particular i just i don't watch any live tv because i mean no offense baseball but there just isn't any you know live sports during the summer that i'm interested in so yeah yeah so I mean I I don't know what to do. So it, like it's it's literal it's it's unplugged. I have a corner of my apartment which is just crap I need to sell or take to recycling or or donate. Um you want to you want to come swing by my place, pick up all the stuff that I have too and you can go recycle it for us? Uh can I sell whatever's worth it? Only if only if there's stuff there that has any value. <laughs> like my, my pile actually has a lot of stuff. There's a couple of camera lenses and there's mm. um uh yeah there, there, there's some stuff worthwhile in there I, I know you can go take your recycling next to next to the uh the the tesla service center in centerfeld next to the i don't know where that is that a joke mm-hmm. oh been it is a all, joke yeah been there a lot <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so 
still thinking about that because I I don't know how my com because like my I negotiated my Comcast rate down to inclusive of taxes a hundred and sixty five dollars, and that's including the gigabit internet with unlimited data add on. So I honestly don't know how much I would save by going internet only, and I still, again, like I still want cable news and sports as an option. Which right now, if I do want to do that, like the uh, it's called Xfinity Stream or Xfinity TV Go, like I can still like watch the entire cable lineup in a browser. It just doesn't have a DVR or anything useful attached to it. So I I, I don't know. You should probably you should probably just do that. Well, I mean that's what I have now, but I I don't know why can why won't why won't Comcast make an Apple TV app for that? Well, they do make apps for for iOS that, and I I think there's one for like Roku, but I don't want a Roku. <laughs> yeah, well. Like that's the thing where if like this would be the easiest solution in the world and they would 100% always keep me as like a TV subscriber if the rare times I want to watch traditional like TV I could just use an Apple TV app. Well they so they could, they'll also they'll ship you that I don't that want flex box or, too. Give me, give me the one that you have that that she she gifted you. I'm joking. I, I don't want it. I, 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 you could happily have it. I don't it's, want it. It's literally still in the box next to me here. Oh, because you didn't want to activate it or something. I forget what what there was. There was a term on the box that that upsets you. And... You you sent me you sent me something about I forget what it was, but it it made me just not even want to plug that thing in. It's fine. It turns it turns your house into a Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah, it might. Well, no, it actually does. It, it, both Cox and Comcast do that thing where if you use the cable company's supplied modem, you automatically get opted into becoming an Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspot. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's some it's some trash. Yeah, I don't care. Don't care for that. Um, so I guess to to close out this topic, what's what's going on with the the roof? Has that been oh, fixed? Oh yeah, it's fine. Like it it wasn't like a torrential like downpour. Like, but it was just it was enough where it, any water is is too much water for electronics. Right. Yeah. So that it 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 stopped leaking once the extremely heavy rain subsided. So it's. It's getting it's going to get repaired, but it's not a uh, urgent matter at the moment. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's very it's very upsetting and distressing, but there's not a whole lot you can do with it, and it kind of it kind of ruined grilled cheese Sunday. So that's yeah, you know. yeah. It's like of all the places in your apartment, I guess maybe other than like directly above the iMac or something, that not not a good spot for that to happen. Yeah. Oh, uh, last note that I have here is uh, something that Sonos should advertise. Uh, the Sonos Move can kind of be marketed as the only Sonos with a built-in UPS. They should they should oh, run with that. Yeah, because, that's that's free free idea there. Yeah, because yeah, when I was because again, like uh, I have a separate fifteen hundred VA uh, UPS for all of my networking stuff. So my home network, even during power outages still runs for like a solid two hours and yeah my phone was just like oh yeah i, I could just hey the, the the sonos move is the only airplay device that's still showing up so yeah let, <laughs> let's go for it and i was able to listen to taylor swift for two hours until while i was frantically trying to move everything out of the server closet and then when the because the power outage lasted from 
like 10 30 a.m until like nine o'clock at night oh. so then once the wi-fi died um and i was back to using personal hotspot for everything uh i was able to put the sonos move into bluetooth only mode and it was less convenient and laggier but it was fine Mm-hmm. Yep. anyway bad huh. sunday yeah very very bad rainy sunday how's your rainy sunday um uh, my rainy sunday was was okay um yeah and not not as not as or at least for me not as personally eventful um although my sister and her husband were in town for the uh, there's an iron man in sacramento and that got oh. canceled mm. like at the very very last minute like we're oh, talking that sucks. 7 a.m start time canceled at 6 15 a.m kind of thing so oh that sucks yeah that was not not great oh sorry but, but what i was gonna what i was gonna ask though was uh do you and your um uh with the with the newish housemate do you guys have any like uh cold weather or rainy day festivities or anything or not not yet no traditions yet no traditions yet um could definitely see baking becoming a thing when she's a little bit older maybe um but yeah no 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 traditions yet we'll we'll work on that this um this particular rainy sunday you know because my sister was in town she had brought her um her dog up as well so we had two two golden retrievers who were cooped up in the house who could not really go outside and so that was (laughs) That was ample uh, entertainment for the day. Got it. <laughs> Golden retrievers don't need electricity. All right. They 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 do not. That's true. All right. Um yeah, let's let's round out stuff with we'll, we'll we'll finish off with Apple stuff. So we'll restructure the docket for a second. Uh you seemed upset about something yesterday. In and <laughs> not something I expected you to be upset about. So not something I expected to be upset about either. Well, no, but I thought I thought you were all all about the cord cutting and all about the move to streaming. So your beloved sharks have been experimenting with uh, where the games actually appear, and uh, apparently you you don't have the Disney trifecta or the Disney hat trick. You just have a Disney Plus. So okay, so let's let's provide context here which you know we like to do on this show um so espn is now the kind of premier broadcaster of the nhl that started this season who was before nbc oh okay but prior to this season espn had some kind of deal with the nhl because you could watch a bunch of -of out-of-market nhl games on espn plus like that that was that's been a thing for i I think like at least the last couple of seasons and so you know when i saw you know espn plus next to like some of the sharks games this season i'm like oh yeah okay i've i've seen that seen that before but it turns out what's different this year now that espn is kind of the primary broadcaster of the nhl is that ESPN Plus is is kind of doing two different things now. It, it's doing the the kind of out of market games like it's done at least the last couple of seasons. But for I think it's like 109 games this season, it's also the exclusive 
broadcaster, no matter where you are. So even if you're local to one of the teams who's playing for these ESPN Plus exclusive games, that's the only way you can watch them. And I, I mean, I think I sent you this in the Slack. Like, I, I, I mean this like genuinely. Like, I didn't even think that was allowed. Like, I thought that was like why when you look at your cable bill and there's a regional sports fee, I thought like the whole point of that was, you know, being local to a to a team. Like, you always have the ability to see that team on your you know cable package that you're purchasing. But I guess I guess I, think, <laughs> I no, guess that's, that's just, an outdated that's, understanding. Well, no, I mean that's just to fund like the RSN, like that that gets you what like Comcast Sportsnet. It still can be a nationally televised game where it won't be on there. Like I don't like I don't know. I know ESPN is on the basic package of everything, but is FS1 like is that also basic cable or is that like on the next tier up? I guess it it probably depends, but I guess I I guess I see what you're saying is really the way to think about this is the the way that nationally broadcast games do where, yeah, you're right. Like if something's on ESPN proper, that generally means that you can't see it on your regional sports. Yeah, that means you're going to see like a Sacramento Kings game or something you don't want to see on channel 721 because it's on ESPN. Yeah. Um, so in any case, I'll, you know, I'll put this in the notes too. Like this has been out there for a while, like going back to September of this year when, um, ESPN kind of, um, gave more details about what their plans were for broadcasting the upcoming NHL season. Like it was, it was right there in their press release that there were going to be these, it's actually 103 games that are, um, exclusive to, um, ESPN plus. Wait, sorry, the entire NHL or just the Sharks? It's the entire NHL, and I've actually gotten so the how- number wrong twice. It's actually so it's seventy five games that are exclusive to ESPN Plus. So how many games in the how many seasons or how many games do a hockey league play in a it, season? Eighty two. So how many? So so only one game per team, probably. I started looking around at the Sharks' schedule, and it actually looks like there's like. A, like a handful that are left this season that are impacted by this. So, so you're going to sign up or are you just mad about it? Well, there's, there's some division <laughs> in the household about how to handle this. Um, it- I, I fall more into the camp of just throwing money at the problem and still being able to see these games, but you know, that's not that's, actually a problem. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't see them. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they, they ended up they ended up losing last night so i guess it you know it's the, the, it's the Iger curse the the thing that the thing that i've been meaning to look into but it's not super high priority is with espn plus if if we're able to you know watch games basically like after they start or if it's sort of like you know you can see them live, and if you're not watching them live, you just miss them. Because if it's the latter, oh. like there, if there's no sort of DVR type function, then then we probably won't sign up for it because we basically never watch you know sharks games or any kind of live sports live. So, so yeah, a kind of little, little bit disappointing, and sort of you know does further complicate this kind of idea that well you know we'll 
mostly go with the cord cutting thing, but still have YouTube TV for live sports. But now it's like, well, YouTube TV isn't even all of the live sports that we watch. So like it's it's already expensive and and this sort of diminishes the value of it a bit. So yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I I think this is like the I think this is the first example of this. I don't think there have been any other like I know that I think the MLB did didn't they do like some regular season game that was exclusive like on Facebook or something a season or two ago? Like there's been one off things here and there, but to this be like be part of sort of the standard broadcasting strategy. I don't I don't remember anything like this before. And some real time follow up. It does look like so I'm logged into ESPN Plus right now. And on a live event you can go backwards. But like can you just start from the beginning so you don't see what the current score is, or do you actually have to like go into the game and then no, rewind? It dumps you into whatever is happening now. Yeah, so that's that's no good. Eh, it's uh, it's it's hockey. It's it's all the score is going to be some in a single digit number. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's kind of um, kind of disappointing. I guess is the best way to say it. So I can watch a replay of the Sharks versus the Predators, but I thought the Predators were a uh, Canadian team. No, Nashville. Oh, it's uh, oh, it's the Winnipeg Jets. Got it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry, man. But I mean, again, it's a brave new world where this is why, like, fucking, like, when you go oh, when I'm opening the Amazon app to buy more trash bags, like, it's uh, telling me I can watch some game tomorrow for some reason, and I don't know why. No, oh, and yeah, Thursday night football. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, I know why, but this is this is why. <laughs> Uh, cord cutting is going to be such a, a colossal mess and things are not getting clearer so well that so that that will become another example of this i think it's starting next season if not next season definitely the season after that where amazon becomes the exclusive broadcaster of thursday night football so you know people who you know the the 10 people in the u.s who don't subscribe to amazon prime you know won't won't have access to that Whereas right now the Amazon broadcast is a simulcast of either FS1 or NFL Network. It's I think it's NFL Network and Fox proper. I don't think it's <laughs> so FS1. So you can watch it three different places. No, I think it's just it. It's so I think the NFL Network does the first few games of the season, which are then oh. simulcast with Amazon. And then starting in week five or six or something, Fox picks picks it up and then is is the broadcaster from there. And then Amazon just, you know, shows the same feed that you would see if you turn, turned into Fox, but then starting whenever they become the the only broadcaster next season or the season after, like they'll they'll be the ones actually producing the broadcast. Got it. All right. Um, and actually this is a related topic. He posted this, uh, it was an Engadget thing. Uh, Major League Baseball is toying around with the idea of offering a, like a specific MLB.tv streaming package just for your local team, which normally if you sign up for MLB.tv or whatever the, the overarching like $100 or $150 a year plan is, 
you get if you're within 50 um 50 feet 50 miles of uh based off the gps spear device of uh, of your home team you can't watch that as a means of protecting the rights that your uh local rsn played uh paid for so this seems really interesting and if like if i got back into the giants and i ever did do like a full cord cutting thing i mean maybe i mean 10 to 20 dollars actually sounds reasonable which is the only part of this that doesn't ring true i don't know this is like almost the opposite of what we were just talking about you know you mean like just a simple way to get your entire the team you like in a single place yeah like it's it's making these games these local games more accessible not less well yeah is, is isn't uh bob mansford isn't his whole thing that he wants to make baseball better well he just i think he just it's wants to stop it from from continuing to lose its audience well i mean you know what i think is going to help a pitch clock and uh working betting into every single aspect of the game i should bring back the catcher cam i think they should bring back the rally monkey sure absolutely. no oh wait no he was he was an angel thing damn it <laughs> All right, anyway, but I think this is kind of cool, and yeah, seems like a reasonable reasonable price. Yeah, it does. All right. Okay. Uh, this is going to be an Apple-heavy couple of weeks, so there mm. were some things that got uh, introduced last... Oh, Fantascal has an update. Uh, either on the 11th or the 18th. I don't know which one, but uh, yeah, during the Mac event... They released, because it was also a Mac plus music event, they also released new third generation AirPods, which we have both purchased and I believe you have some strong feelings about. I I, I really do. Um, well, because you have been clamoring for these. you Because you, you outright rejected the AirPod Pros. Mm-hmm. You aren't into the noise cancellation thing. You have uh, you, uh, driven your first gen AirPods into the ground. Or you've used them so heavily that the battery is just barely clinging on. Second gen AirPods. I do have the ones with the the wireless charging case. Oh, got it. But yeah, what do you think uh, of the new ones? I don't know. Um, like I was so excited about these and just thought they would be it just such a home run. They just seemed like you know I was going to have you know these brand new brand new headphones with you know nice new big battery and they're going to have all these nice improvements and all, I mean, all the reviews about them have been totally glowing. Um, I actually went back and kind of looked at some more today and it's small little things here and there that people quibble at, but by and large, the reviews have been super positive. And I, I, I don't know. So like for me, it started basically from the second I opened the case for the first time where they're they're very hard to get out of the case like is is that is that just me or do you experience that as well like i i found the first and second gen regular airpods to be really easy to just quickly get in and out of the case and i don't i don't find that to be the case at all with these 
Yeah, I have no problems here, but this is also because these mostly work the way AirPods Pro worked, and I'm already used to that. Hmm. So they are more of a two-finger gesture rather than just kind of you, you, you wedge it out with your thumb. Yeah, well, and especially when you're getting the first one out, whether it's the left or the right, like I find kind of like fitting, you know, I guess it's usually like my, my either my index finger or my thumb, depending on which headphone I'm grabbing first, like fitting that in between the two headphones. It's kind of like it's it's a tight fit. Um. And also the way the headphones are seated in the case, it, it's it's almost like they're backwards. Like it's almost like they're the opposite direction of like what you'd expect them to be. Like I should open mm-hmm. a, up here. Like, well, yeah, but that that's a whole again. That's exactly the way the AirPod Pros work because those had larger, um, like they had the the rubber ear thingies, so they needed more space. So they're not they they're facing the opposite direction that the old AirPods did. So it's just force of habit. You'll get used to it in a couple of days. Well, so that that's going to be the theme of sort of like everything I'm talking about here, which is so I've I've only had these for like basically one full day, or I've only really been using them for one full day at this point because they they showed up pretty late in the day yesterday, and I I pr- probably most or all of this is is just because I was so used to those original AirPods and I've been using them for you know four plus years now that just any sort of change just feels weird so it's yeah so it starts with getting them in and out of the case i mean even including like i dropped one today which like in the four years i had original airpods i could never remember doing and i even like thought earlier today like oh it does seem like these are going to be potentially easier to drop because they're just harder to get in and out of the case and even being conscious of it i i went for a walk this evening and boom it, it immediately dropped one um so that, that that's not been great and then you know more importantly the i don't know about the fit like that's been the thing with all the reviews is they they universally say that they fit so much better than the original airpod design and i don't i mean maybe i'll come around to this but they they just they don't seem as comfortable to me and again maybe it's just because i fear change and they're they're just they're different and i'm i'm so <laughs> used to i'm so used to the other form factor but they yeah they they just don't seem as comfortable like they seem too wide am i am i just am i totally am i totally nuts with all this like am i just yeah. because i'm the only one who's never used airpods pro am i am i is this just a bigger shock to me than it is to anybody who's used the the pro version yep okay no i mean you're 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 not entirely wrong i i, I think you're looking at it wrong so you're you're holding it wrong too um <laughs> You just have to, like I, the the awkwardness of removing from the case that 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 makes sense, and that would that was uh, difficult, and it's still something I get wrong on. You have the Powerbeats Pro, right, with the oyster shell case. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those. I can after a hike, I literally, literally can never put them in properly the first time. 
Well, they're because they're they're really finicky to get seated with the charging contacts. Well, but, yeah. but also and just like mental, like they they don't they the way you would want to put them in the first time is always wrong. Right. Yeah. Even though you know where the contacts are supposed to line up, you're like, how how are these going to fit together? And you're like, oh, in the third time you try to put them in, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But like the AirPods, yeah, like I'm already used to the fact that the like um the stems rather than being like both of them close together in the middle and the buds kind of occupying the outer edge of the case that that's reversed on this because these are a little bit wider. Like, Oh, I mean like these, the new version are, they're entirely fine. They like, I think the things that you're maybe not um, giving them credit for, or you're, you're maybe harp uh, harshing on the type of stuff that is minorly different from what you're used to because you've used the same pair of things for two years is like, the design they're much smaller the stems are much smaller and like the old airpods after having seen the airpod pros in the wild for a long time like the stems are just too darn big and i know like you're a devout apple watch user and you probably have your phone in your hand when you're out and about and stuff but like if you have if you have all that stuff in your pocket and you want to answer a call or switch or advance a track like the old ones were the worst for that where they had just like and it was like a vibration sensor like a tap sensor where you just had to like smack the side of your head to um to advance a song or pause it where now on these you have the little little squeezy bits can i interject there because that's actually the so it it was taking them out of the case the fit and then there was a third thing and i i I can or i can already i already know the, the the reaction i'm gonna get here I I kind of liked the tap and double tap on the first and second gen AirPods. I know I I know I'm the o- only one, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I actually didn't mind that at all. Yeah, it was bad. I'm I, I, I like again you can, like not not to yuck your yum or whatever. And, and people like some people like stuff. Like some people like uh, relish on their hot dogs. Like it's just like some people like what they like. But no, it was objectively bad. Like I, from a comfort perspective, like I, I, like you actually think it feels good when you do that. I don't think it feels good, but I also never thought it felt bad or was painful in any way. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you, you always had to had to tap way harder than you probably should have. Well, the 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 accuracy of it was not not as good as it should have been well yeah but that's uh, the thing where if, if you ever like tap or smack the side of your head and it doesn't do what you want you just get i, I like i just got doubly mad like, yeah because i because i look and feel like a jackass and it didn't pause the song well so okay so then the, the the last thing then with with this is that so you mentioned there's now the capacitive touch thing on the stems like there is with the airpods pro so this this is my first experience with that because I've, I've literally never put a set of airpods pro in before I, 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 I sort of, every time I go to use that touch button, like, I feel like I'm going to pull the AirPod out of my ear. Mm. I feel, and I feel like I have to be very like deliberate to not do that, even though like it, it hasn't happened yet, but, um, am, am I, am I doing something wrong there or does it just take some getting used to? I just think you've only had them 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, again, c- contextually, it's like it's, if you do if you if you do anything for two full years and then you you change it slightly, it's it's going to be a little bit annoying. 
Well, that's yeah, and I, th- I think the other this is actually related to both the fit and that capacitive touch button is. I, I, I've just had this sense that they're just like going to fall out of my ear at any moment. And I, I do remember that with the original AirPods too. Like I remember first getting them and thinking like, oh, these are going to totally just fall out of my ear any second. And they, I don't think ever did. And you know, so, these haven't in the first 24 hours either. Yeah. So I mean, with, with that specifically, that is one thing. That is one reason why I really like the Powerbeats Pro is that they just with the over the ear or behind the ear design, it's impossible for that to happen. I, for my ears and like, and it's different for everybody. I do, I've never felt confident that the AirPods Gen 1 or the AirPods Pro ever have a good enough fit where I could ever use them while running, which I see people use regular AirPods while exercising all the time. And I just have no idea how they make it work where they're not like the, where the buds just aren't flying out. These feel like a slightly more secure fit where like if I'm lying in bed and reading, um, I can have them in and I don't feel like they're going to constantly fall out if I get up to get a sparkling water or something like it's better. I, I don't know. Like they're, they're fine. They're, they're trying to target a shape that's going to work moderately well for everybody, which in without like different size ear fittings, I mean, that's, that's a challenge. And I, th- and I think these are fine, but I do think they're a definite improvement over the first gen one. And yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'll probably end up trying to sell or, get rid of my airpods pro because yeah i don't know like well oh, so sorry this is again all scattered but the the big advantage of these for me is that i've always found the airpod pros to be absolutely horrible for phone calls and because of the way the ear fittings work like if i know i have to jump on a phone call and using the first gen airpods that was so simple to just pop the buds in and go with the AirPod Pros, I always felt like I had to like mute it and be like, oh, let me get some headphones or to have them in before I'm going to start a call. Like there was just a lot more friction to using AirPod Pros for phone calls. And and that did away with a lot of the utility because the first gen AirPods were so good at that for just being like pop it in instant connection and it just works. And that's the part that's back with these. So that's where I feel like most people who had AirPod Pros will probably quote unquote downgrade to these and get rid of the other ones just because these are better for uh, phone calls and podcasts. Did did you find with the AirPods Pro for phone calls, it it was weird at all? Like yep, I, for I, your voice? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. You know, it, was, it was the worst you because I, I would never know because like right now I'm using around the ear noise canceling headphones with noise canceling turned on because I have my voice being fed back to me through like the USB audio thingy. And and the AirPods Pro don't do anything like that. They don't feed your voice back to you. Not because the thing is you can turn on the transparency mode thing, which I think sort of does, but I never found that whether you use the thing where it's just like nothing's going on and it's just like the the rubber seal or the active noise cancellation or transparency mode none of them ever felt right where I always just felt like super anxious on phone calls just because the audio quality is so weird Mm, where with AirPods where there isn't that noise isolation or whatever, like you just, you hear the standard amount of echo of your own voice and it just, it's fine. That's so again, that's the part where 
I think these are a dramatic improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally open to the idea that this is all just change and I'll, I'll get used to it and maybe even come to like it, but it has been a, it's been a little disappointing. I was hoping to just really like these and it's, it's been a little bit of a, a mixed bag so far. Yeah, we'll check in next week. I'm sure um, you'll have more, even if it's not more positive, more fleshed out and evolved thoughts about it. Yes. Um, I guess maybe the last quick thing, um, which I think we are going to be in pretty solid alignment on, is um, spatial audio. So I've, you know, (laughs) I've messed around with it a little bit with my Sonos setup in the family room because you can you can do that through the Apple TV. And that's, you know, it's, it's surround sound. Like it's, it's kind of, you know, just, it's, it, it's like any other kind of surround sound experience you've ever heard on with movies and stuff. But this has been my first spatial audio experience with headphones. And it, it's weird. Like the, it, particularly the spatial audio. So there's, there's, there's two different spatial audio settings, which I actually, because I didn't really have any devices that supported it, I never really paid all that close attention to how it worked but so there's two different spatial audio settings there's one that includes head tracking and one that doesn't so the the version that includes head tracking which is what it defaults to or at least it's, it's what mine defaulted to when i tried a spatial audio track in apple music for the first time is basically the the headphones <laughs> take a snapshot i guess as to like the direction that you're looking when you first start listening to something and then as you turn your head away from that direction you were originally looking the audio shifts to make it always seem like the audio is coming from that original sort of like viewpoint like that that's always sort of like the front of you even if that's not where you're looking anymore and it it, i mean it it technically works like relatively well but it's it's just weird like i'm not it's not it's unclear to me why i would ever want to listen to music that way like i'm not sure it's any i'm not sure it improves the experience like it seems like a very novel tech demo but i'm not sure it's useful or better in any way yeah i i don't know if the airpods pro support head tracking or they, maybe that's an ios 15 thing they I don't think it, do i think i don't think they did when it first came out because they did support spatial audio in terms of like the allegedly richer sound in apple music well so they they know that's also bad so you're you're remembering that correctly so spatial audio and like the the spatial audio with head tracking i think was introduced as part of ios and ipad os 14 and the airpods pro came out before that so you're right that they were not an original feature but it's been on the airpods pro for a while i think yeah, so I, I haven't experienced the head tracking stuff. I don't think I would enjoy it, and it seems like it would only lend itself to video games and certain types of movies. I feel like everything else would be worse. And the spatial audio in Apple Music, I think, also sounds bad and or worse. 
So just get just get yourself a good pair of regular ass headphones and just listen to stereo audio, and it sounds great. Well, like this all so, seems so gimmicky. Yeah, well, even with these AirPods, so I, I, the, one of the things I kind of was playing around with was um, the Hamilton soundtrack because I've I've heard some some good things about the spatial audio mix that that they've put in to Apple Music, and I just I, I tried you know spatial audio with head tracking. I tried it without the head tracking and that, you know, that then basically ignores where you're looking and, but still just tries and gives you like a, a more sort of like three, you know, 360 degree kind of soundscape, I guess. And then there's just, you know, regular old stereo. And I, you know, I don't claim to have like the world's best hearing, but to me, stereo sounded the best, like of, of those three, like mm-hmm. they, they definitely sounded different like the the spatial audio mix sounded more like what i remember hamilton sounding like seeing it live whereas the stereo mix you know sounds like how i think of you know listening to the you know broadway cast recording um but yeah i mean it, it, they, i guess it left me with kind of the same thing i said earlier which is like i'm just i'm not sure like the spatial audio stuff is an improvement it's just it's different so you know i I know and i don't really even mean that like in a good or bad way necessarily it's just it's it's not like i would listen to that spatial audio mix and be like oh yeah this is this is way better i'm never going to go back and listen to it in stereo like they're just it's just it's just different so anyway i think spatial audio is kind of silly (laughs) is i guess my my conclusion all right. And then have you received your Apple Watch Series 7 yet? I have not. Um, I think, well, so <laughs> UPS is doing this fun thing, which I've never seen before, which, you know, I, global supply chain and stuff, I guess. Um, whenever I go to the tracking information, it doesn't give me a, an estimated delivery date. It literally just says, like, we'll try and get you an updated delivery date tomorrow. And yeah. it's it's now said that the past two days. Yeah, my MacBook Pro is back to saying that it says your package is in transit. We're planning to update. Uh, we're pl- we're updating plans to schedule a delivery. Check back tomorrow. That's yeah. That's what my watch has now said for the past couple of days. Because I sometime next week, I think, is when I'm expecting to get mine. Um, and I I don't recall you telling me that you had ended up ordering a Series Seven. So I feel like you've been hiding information from me and the listeners no no that's just it it's um it's just it's it's uh that's an uh what, what did they call it in congress a closed door session yeah yeah that's that's where my purchase decisions go so i'll save most of my stuff until you get yours because i've only had mine for about again about the same it came along with the airpods so i was hoping to wait to purchase one until I would have a chance to like go to the Apple store and kind of see stuff in person. But I saw that the one that I was leaning towards um, through my carrier was shipping same day. And I was just like, screw it. So I got the 45 millimeter stainless steel graphite mm. in, and it came with just a standard, <laughs> I I feel it's very on brand for 2020 slash 21. Uh, the band is color is called Abyss Blue. 
because that is kind of like what we are in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how does the how does the graphite compare to the space black that you're used to? Space black is still way better, but I do think the graphite looks quite nice. Mm. I hate the term gunmetal, but that's kind of what it looks like. It's a very it's a it's a very shiny dark gray which dulls a lot of the shininess which is what i liked about the space black it's definitely one of those see it in person colors and i think does it looks it, very nice does it look a lot darker in person yes so that so that's what's so weird so i mean there's obviously been so much talk about colors on apple products this whole apple fall product season but i feel like across the board with with you know the iphone 13 and now with the apple watch series 7 no matter and, and no matter what finish you're talking about on the apple watch like universally all the colors look dramatically different in person than they do on apple's website and in most cases it seems like the colors are much darker than they appear on the website which is that's so strange yeah, I'm trying, and I'll, I'll take a picture with the fancy camera tomorrow, but like I'm trying, I'm looking at just a Google image search, and I'm trying to find one that I feel like is a good approximation of what it actually looks like in person, and I'm not finding one. They all make it look like like it's basically space gray, like aluminum, or they make it look like it's the space black one, but there's nothing in between. And I do like the way it looks different depending on how the light hits it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's overall pretty good, um, but I'll save most of the stuff about the watch for until you get yours. My just couple quick takes is that the screen's too big. Like I don't. Everything on the watch is too big. <laughs> like the, the every maybe I don't know if a lot of this is watchOS eight where they made stuff bigger too, but it's too big. And also there are no good watch faces so can you remind me which watch face you use on on because you, you used to be a modular guy like me like you know like the very first one that came out and then there have just been like no good watch faces since then i have to actually have to pull mine up to see what it's called it is a modular face but that that was what it was called originally and then but, when they so when they bumped the watches from what were they what were they originally they were 42 and 38 42 and 38 and then when they bumped them to 40 and 44 they made a different version of the modular face called the infograph modular is that the face. one with the, with the big ass widget at the bottom that takes up like half the screen uh the big ass widgets in the middle but yes <laughs> um and that that's the one that i use got it so I sent you a couple of screenshots. So the old one that I was using is a second screenshot. And I don't know why on the big, on the new 45, like on the edge to edge screen, like it's, it's too big. I don't know. Like the, the writing, every part of it's too big. So the other one that I've been using, I just, I, I literally do not have a watch face I actually like right now. And the one on the left is called the solar watch face. which shows the time at like the appropriate size like any bigger than that would just be weird 
And I'm also, I'm not a smart person where I, I don't want an analog watch face. Like I, I, I appreciate people who want to go for style over function, but like the time needs to be digital for, for glanceability. Like I, I want to know exactly what time it is. I don't want to glance at the watch and think, is it, oh, is it, is it three twenty three or three seventeen? Like just, I, I want the time. So yeah, the solar one is one that I think is okay. Sort of. And I, I, did, I just hate, I hate the way uh, the activity thing looks with corner complications. No, I'm trying to send you a screenshot of my oh, no, Apple you watch. Okay, I got it three times. Well, I, I, I got the error saying that our Slack workspace was out of space. I don't want to pay $14 a month. <laughs> Why can't there, we need AI to decide a customer's willingness to pay. I'm totally willing to give Slack $6 a month. Not fourteen. Um, isn't, gonna... isn't isn't Dropbox like that too? Where it's like you can pay nothing, or you can pay like eighty dollars a month. Well, no, that's the thing. Where I pay a hundred and like thirty dollars a year because like somehow you, like a crazy person, are somehow able to make two gigabyte Dropbox work. Where I'm here using three hundred gigabytes, and there is there is no middle ground. There's either free or you yeah. get like two terabytes of space. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so. I don't want this to be, this is not like, I'm not, this is not like roast my watch face, but I still, I, I can, uh, I'm not trying to put you on blast here, but like, but I think now that you stepped up to a titanium watch or a fancy watch, I think you're going to have to turn off color. Oh no, the colors are like (sighs) one of the, one of the best parts. I don't, I don't understand people who just have like a monochrome watch. That was my favorite part of it because I think it was when didn't wasn't it when they came out with this infograph modular face? Isn't that when they introduced like the multicolor option? No, it's been around for a while, but I oh, even like so. Let's say because I know you're some you're you're very into the fact that you want to be able to switch from a sport band to a fancy uh, fancy person band if you're if you're going somewhere, right? Even when you switch to the fancy band, your watch is still all super colorful. If I'm feeling really, really fancy, there is an analog watch face that I can that I have to switch over to, but I I almost never remember to do that. <laughs> so, well, and and also I it's not like I'm been going places a lot recently, but yeah, I mean even when I do go somewhere nicer, I I do often just for even forget to switch the watch face. I do appreciate that you, that you have the OmniFocus complication here, which frequently does not show the right number of. Uh, of of open that's tasks been, that's that tells you how helpful i find that complication it's been broken for <laughs> probably like three Six years months. now i think it's oh, been okay. broken since like watch os 4 or something uh-huh. um but even though it's broken i still put up with it because when it works it works really well i do hate when the watch whatever like cached amount of omnifocus data is in the watch gets out of sync with your phone well, I think that's I think that's what causes the issue with the complication is there's there's because the the like, OmniFocus app doesn't at all run natively on the watch. It really is just a viewer into the iPhone app. And well, that I'm not even sure because sometimes I will like mark off a bunch of events or or, or I'll like I'll just do a hey I'm not going to ever have a very good day. So let's let's kick the can down the road for a bunch of this stuff. And then I still get in like it's something that would have been due in 45 minutes, and I still get a notification on my watch even though the phone app already knows that it wasn't going to happen. What's this? 
Uh, what's the six dots in the lower right? That's streaks. Oh, you're still using that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good? It's really good. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing, really, with those three bottom complications, OmniFocus, you know, the activity circles and streaks, like, being constantly badgered with those metrics, like, every single time I look at my watch, which I do, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times a day, like, that's, that I do find that to be very helpful. Can you, if it's not classified information, give me an example of one task you have in streaks that is not closing your rings? Drinking. And not, I, not, I think I have it as like the 64 ounces of water or whatever okay. it is. Another yeah. one. Um, meditating for 10 minutes. Cool. So with that, and that, and that I, one's actually kind of neat because I have that one set up to track read mindful, the mindfulness read minutes, mindful minutes yeah. from the health app, which Headspace can automatically write to. So that that like automatically. Um, did I just write a shortcut? Is that what that is? Um, no, but I just find it funny that like the, the way you're describing it, it sounds like the least mindful thing possible. But it, but it's but it totally makes sense. Well, no, it's actually the most mindful thing possible because <laughs> I set it up once a long time ago, and then now you know, every time I do it, I don't ever have to remember to you know to to mark that because that, that's like the the one thing with the water thing is that you know I I oft I often forget to record that, so then it's like well I'm not even keeping track of accurate data at that point. Mm-hmm. So then what, I guess what, what are we even doing? So I, I guess my my question would be: Is all your streaks stuff basically quantifiable? Is it basically health streaks, or do you have any behavioral stuff in there? And you don't have to say what it is, but I'm just curious. I have I have behavioral ones in there too that are not necessarily metric based. Interesting. Huh. Okay. This is this. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's that streaks. Base. The streaks ones I really like and that that's actually unlike the omnifocus complication that's a very reliable complication um it's it's well designed there's lots of different options like you can you can make that different colors and different styles and stuff too i i personally like those six dots but there's there's a couple of other i think there's like a circular one they have and some other stuff too i think there's one there's one that's like it'll tell you how many streaks you have left to complete in the day i think there's 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 a few different options yeah i i re-downloaded because I've, I've been toying with kind of how to track some things and i you used to i went from using streaks and then a couple other similar applications to using a very very complicated google sheet and then i re-downloaded streaks about three weeks ago i don't know why but i i, I just hate the iphone app i find just the num like the what you tap on and what you long press on, it, it's just, it's a very inscrutable application. But I feel like if, but if you're using the, like, let's read data from HealthKit and stuff, like the backend automation stuff is super neat. But I feel like just completing and looking at your history of completions is very difficult. I don't know. Anyway. I think you can export streaks, like, literally to, like, a CSV. Well, yeah, but then what am I going to put it into? I don't know. It's like like my, some like, of your fan, fancy database or something? Yeah, I haven't found a good way to use Airtable for this. 
but no but if you go to streaks like if you just tap on a thing like i just i don't know i find it so hard to like to get to the like to switch to the calendar where i can correct if i either marked something as a streak or forgot to mark it and that takes like eight taps well well yeah and some of them are the the you know long taps which used to be like that's the, the force touch yeah. stuff yeah that's the thing yeah. where that's super hard like there's just no indication so i'm just tapping like an idiot to try to figure out how to get to it and it's the same thing like i forgot what we were talking about before where it's just you never know it's like yeah it's like the the tap in your ear with the first gen airpods thing like ostensibly you know you both you and the app know what you're trying to do but just it never links up so i i think streaks was created at a time where force touch was a thing and it it was the very very rare app that actually used force touch effectively yeah but But, yeah then now now that it's gone they've had to replace everything with long presses and that's just not as good yeah like right now like i'm trying to get to that calendar view and now it's trying to mark my task is complete or whatever right yeah yeah, it just needs one of those three dot buttons next to it to just be like i want to do something other than mark complete you're saying they need to do what iPad multitasking did. And... Oh, that was actually, sorry, the, the, not to get off topic, because I finally, now that 15.1 came out, I've updated all my devices to iOS 15. Uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but like, is the gist, because I forgot what was happening in iOS 15, is the gist of the changes to iPad multitasking just now that there's like the little three dot thing at the top where you can now say this is full screen or left or right? Is that basically it? So I, before I answer your question, I was I was really confused for a second because I was thinking like, wait, hasn't this stuff this has been out there like a while now? But I I had the the public beta on my iPad going back to like the beginning of the summer, um, so I I got really confused there for a second that I I felt like I was losing track of time, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's that's the change in in iPad multitasking. Is that the the three dots up at the top are always there? I think even on apps that don't support multitasking, um, and when you tap that, you you now have a little contextual menu to to try and you know make seeing what the different multitasking options are, and then selecting the windows that you want to go into them a bit easier and more intuitive than it used to be. But the end results are exactly the same. Like once once you're in split screen and slide over, maybe or what the two options are called, um, they're they're the same as they were before. And I think now you can also like save different multitask combinations, like almost as like what is it? Is it called spaces on the Mac? I thought, well, I thought in iOS 13, they made like those weird ass app pair things where sometimes you couldn't get two apps unlinked. And I think this is like something different. I mean, this all shows you how like little I use <laughs> iPad multitasking. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that stuff has, has gotten better. And it was, I mean, it, I think as we've talked about before, a very, very, very low bar, but it's it's gotten a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I, I, I know how to I know how to use iPad multitasking now, which I've never been able to say before. Yeah, for I mean, for, for me, the iPad is a crossword machine, and that's basically it. But I was trying, like, just to experiment with it. I then tried doing like you know, like the slow swipe up on the dock, and then 
that didn't work, then I'm like, well, did they break it even more? But then it kind of occurred to me how it works now. Yeah, uh, the, I, the, th- the three dots. iOS 15 on the phone. I hate notifications now. Why is the app icon so damn big? The The problem that I've been having is that I find it difficult to be able to tell when an app has a single notification or if it has mm-hmm. a stack of notifications underneath it. Uh-huh. And it, it it's important because if you tap a single notification, yeah. it takes you into the app. Whereas if you tap a stack of notification, it just expands the stack. So if you go to tap a notification, expecting a stack to show up underneath, but it actually was just a single notification. And now you're getting thrown into the app, which also then clears the notification, which maybe you didn't even read all the way through, then it's just not, not a good experience. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't love... I don't love um, notifications in iOS 15, although I have been playing around a little bit with the focus modes. So I've, I've, I've got a driving one now. Um, I never have used because the automatic do not disturb when driving has been a feature for a while, but I've, I've never used it. But I actually have found more recently that it, it, it is really distracting to have notifications be you know, buzzing on my watch when I'm driving. So I've been kind of experimenting with turning that on. And, you know, now what they've done is they've turned driving into a focus mode and you can, you know, set it to automatically turn on when you're driving. And that that's actually been nice. Um, And then I've come up with another focus mode that I've been playing around with that's meant for when I'm watching like a Lakers game or a Sharks game on delay. And I don't want uh-huh. a notification to spoil any of the results, or I don't want like you know a friend to text me something. I've I've got that set up now. You have sports mode, cool. It's 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 literally called yeah sports. <laughs> it's the focus mode. Well, there's no the lame thing is that there's no good icon for it. There's there's like a pre canned set of icons you can choose from when you're creating your own focus mode, and there's no there's no sports one. So I just it's just a I think an image of a TV. fair um but yeah i still don't the the idea of setting up a bunch of elaborate focus modes with uh, you can even i didn't even i I missed this i guess during wwdc like you can also change your home screen layout when you go into a focus mode like you can have a totally different set of widgets and and app icons show up when you're in different modes like all all that stuff just seems way too fiddly and kind of unnecessary to me but All right, well, uh, getting back to the watch, uh, yeah, we will talk more about it next week, probably, when we both have it. But again, as of now, a day in, it's too big. And you didn't you didn't consider getting the 43? No, I think it's 41. Oh, it's 41, that's right. Yeah, no, just because, again, I'm, I, uh, when it's not freezing and raining outside... Uh, like I'm running and hiking with my watch and I can't take the battery life hit, especially on cellular. Mm-hmm. So even though I probably would want, like, here's the the part about the size, like the watch is barely any bigger, but just because the writing goes so far to the edge now, which seems like something that'd be nice, it looks weird on the wrist. 
I feel like there's it'd be kind of nice if there was some way to adjust like the margins or the inset. Like I, because using the watch for like notifications and stuff, it's really neat that the screen is that expansive. But for the watch face, I don't know why. I, I'm I'm curious to hear what you think when you've lived with it for a couple of days. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get mine. I'm I'm actually going to be really excited to have cellular back. Like having the SE for mm-hmm. a while, like I've had now. I think maybe I've mentioned this on the show. I do, I don't super miss the always on display. There there are moments where I do, but you know, it's I'm not I'm not constantly missing it. Um. But not having cellular, I miss. Kind of one of those things you don't appreciate till it's gone kind of thing. I never really thought much about so, cellular on my watch, but I, I, I do miss having it now that I don't have it. So I guess when you uh, give me an example of uh, if, if you're not going a lot of places, where where does cellular come into play? Walks. Okay, so you, you if you're doing, if you're doing a dog walk or a stroller walk, you just leave the phone at home? Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, not, not always, but sometimes I do that. and. Um, it actually there's actually like a very particular use case that really applies more over the summer where like in an evening walk if it's really warm outside and I'm wearing shorts you know sometimes you know like my my big ass pro max you know won't fit like <laughs> in a shorts um you know pocket all that well and so I'll you know I'll leave the phone at home and then just have my watch you haven't ever thought again like a belt clip for your big ass phone I had one. I had a belt clip for my. Um, I always forget the name of it. Which one did I have? I didn't have the razor. I had the non-flip version of the razor. What was that called? The rock, not the rocker. The sliver. The sliver. That's what Why I. Why did you have a belt clip for that? Because that was that that same, year. Well, so here's here's what I did. Because this is how I, I was. As you probably remember, Carlos, I was really cool in high school. Um, <laughs> I I'm thinking of remember the Arrested Development thing where they would all do cut to footage not found. <laughs> yeah, I, I walked I, I walked into that and I deserved it. Um, I so with my sliver, it was the same kind of thing where I was like worried about it falling out of my pocket. So I I had a belt clip for it that I put it into, but then I attached the belt clip like inside my pocket. So like the phone was in my pocket and then the belt clip was, you know, attached basically to like the edge of the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to leave that one. All right. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing that um, because of things like that, you didn't just avoid ever associating with me. Uh, moving on. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we'll 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 regroup next week when you have yours and you've got some hands-on data. Well, we'll, um, we'll ask we'll ask UPS tomorrow if if I'll actually have mine next week. Yeah. Speaking of stuff that might be here by next week, who knows? Uh, my MacBook Pro uh, shipped on Monday, and uh, for a minute it said it was going to get delivered next Monday, uh, but it is back to saying check back later. So it's fine. We'll see. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, reviews have come out and they seem pretty good. The way a uh, friend of the show, Jason Snell, has talked about it. It's a Mac Pro in your backpack or for me in, in my man purse. And yeah, I'm I'm super, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful and I, I want it to be good. 
but I hope it's not too good where I'm going to be unhappy using my iMac. Well, that 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 actually is a perfect transition to what I was going to say. Like, I, and I, I mean this like in a super genuine way. Like the thing that I'm super interested to see when you get your laptop, like, is there going to be anything you don't like about it? Because all these reviews are been really, really positive. And I, I, mean, I mean, everything I've seen makes it just seem like these machines are just rad. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> expensive, which like... Uh. Nobody said rad in 20 years. <laughs> Sam, going back to my, my high school roots, thinking about that sliver and the, the belt clip. Um, I, I'm kind of the young man's John Syracuse, where I, um, yeah, I, I do feel there's nothing too perfect that it can't be complained about. Wasn't that his tagline? Right. Like, we'll see. I, like, I'm sure, I, like, I want it to be good. Like, it, I, I want, like, I, I want a good, fast mobile computer. I want a computer that... Like right now, we talked about it. Like I, I hate a lot of stuff about the current MacBook Pro. Not, I'm not even talking about the keyboard and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's such a lousy computer to run Lightroom on. Like everything spins up the fans. The battery life, if you're doing anything on it, sucks. The screen quality and color accuracy, especially on the 13 inch, sucks. Like there's so much of it that's bad. And it sounds like this is gonna fix most of those issues. Like that's that's really cool. Because like as I said when in the episode where we talked a lot about when the laptop came out um like coupled with covid stuff but like i use my laptop way 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 less now where pre-covid i would i would take my macbook pro and my camera everywhere and now i my laptop stays home like four out of five work days and if i'm going out to do something I will generally only take like my camera and my Kindle and my phone. Like I don't, my laptop used to go follow everything everywhere with me, but the current MacBook Pro sucks so much that I just don't. I don't know. Like we'll see. I hope it, I hope it's very good. Yeah. yeah it it seem, seems like it will. I'm, I'm really excited for you to, to get yours. Thanks boss. All right. And then rounding this out a couple this, this will take less time than I I think it, you fear a uh, couple of camera things so the new version of your camera uh is out very soon uh, sony has released the a7 IV, which i got a couple of updates it's got faster auto uh, faster autofocus a new fancy swivel uh articulating touchscreen um, and viewfinder that is uh similar to what's on the a7s3 and it is uh, the sensor has been bumped up from 24 megapixels to 33 megapixels. Um, a lot of the updates were around 4K 60 video recording, and it's very much kind of not a, not a vlogger focused camera, but it the most of the updates that they made are related to color accuracy and video versus still photography. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, the the ability to record 4K 60 is what jumped out at me and would be sort of like the the one thing that like I would find interesting about this camera, but you know, as somebody who's you, yeah, happy you, with with iPhone videos like, you know. Yeah, you don't you don't need 
this. No. Just because with the price, uh, I think the A7 III previously used to be $2,000. This one starts out at 2500 and the benefits that you get over your current model are not great enough where I don't think that money for you is better invested in, in more lenses if you somehow suddenly came across $2,000 to burn. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when I do. Okay. Uh, well, with all that MLB sports betting money. Um, Adobe Max, their big creative conference, uh, is going on this week and they announced a lot of big updates to a lot of their creative cloud applications. Uh, one of which is a huge update that came to Lightroom Classic, which uses some AI features to like, have you ever used the adjustment paintbrush in Lightroom Classic? I haven't, but but word of this feature had actually come out a little while ago, and I, I had meant to put a link to it in the thing. I, I guess I just forgot to. So I'm 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 aware of what this is, and it, it does sound really neat. I mean, so the adjustment paintbrush, like it's it's been around forever, where it allows you to like because you can apply whole image adjustments, or if there's uh, like a face or a certain focal point of the photo that you feel does not have the appropriate color accuracy, or you need to boost the shadows or whatever. You can just use your mouse or Wacom tablet or whatever to adjust just a small part of the image. Um, and that's always been fine and a good, easy way to tweak a photo. But um, yeah, the new feature is that it uses some AI smarts to allow you to either select like the sky, the background, people, animals, stuff like that. And it will create a mask for you automatically that allows you to much more quickly do selective adjustments without having to like paint with your mouse which is pretty pretty darn cool and in basic testing uh like i sent you a screenshot yesterday like it works as advertised and allows you to invert the selection so you can either choose the foreground subject or isolate the background it in a lot of ways kind of like i was worried that it would have a lot of the same drawbacks of portrait mode on the iphone where like if there's space like in between somebody's arm or something like that, where you'd get kind of that weird iPhone, like you now have fuzzy hair thing. It's actually smart enough to not do that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And the sample image you shared, like there are individual strands of hair that are, well, in, like individual mm -hmm. that, that stand on their own, like in front of the blurred background. And it, it looks great. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. And again, in, th in that particular example, that isn't it actually like that's not the final edit. It's basically you can assign a color to isolate what you're editing. So that allows you like if you wanted to darken up the background or something like that, you could. But yeah, super cool. A free or not a free. A, a, all of Creative Cloud is paid, but it's it's an automatic update on version 11. So pretty cool. And lastly, uh, this is something that somebody else posted to me that I had never seen before and actually haven't actually used much about this, but uh seems cool for people who are um beginner to intermediate in photography about just this is not necessarily Adobe specific whatsoever, but uh just how to properly uh do photography in a digital way. So it goes all the way from how to properly frame photographs, proper composition of your photographs, how to um, 
understand what makes a good photo, how to edit responsibly, how to use lines to your favor. There's a lot of really cool basics in here that anybody who wants a refresher can look at. So yeah, it's Lightroom Academy. It's free and it's pretty neat too. Do you, very so thank you for sending this and on a very related topic slash question as as someone who's trying to get a little bit more into Lightroom like how do I start <laughs> there's so there's so much power in that tool like is are there any sort of like like how did you get started did you just poke around at stuff did you find some helpful documentation what did you do using it for a decade i don't know like yeah. I, I i i again the next rainy day i will i will have a um a video i've been meaning to do about this but like no it's just like you just use go through you do some crops you do some edits like i mean because you've well actually no you said you've recently you've just been for all like the smug mug stuff that you've been sharing you've basically just been using the straight out of camera jpegs and you haven't cool. actually been doing any edits until you got to the point where you found that the straight out of color straight out of camera colors were maybe not what you'd been wanting well that i feel like such a dummy because I've, I've had this camera for going on two years now and yeah I've, yeah i've basically just exclusively used the you know straight out of the camera jpegs to you know put onto my iphone and to share with other people um and i obviously i've, I've you know meticulously stored every single raw image i've ever taken in lightroom so i mean i have all of them but i've never really done anything with them and yeah i i, I was was out at the at the zoo um, a few weekends ago and those pictures in particular i just i just wasn't super happy with the, some of the contrast and colors in a lot of the photos and you know you suggested taking a look at the at the raws which i did and i was like oh yeah these are these are much better and um i i found something as simple as just doing the like what is it like auto tone control or something in lightroom like yeah, even I was just I was so shocked that you said that worked well for you because it doesn't generally doesn't work well for me. But yeah, no, the couple of examples you sent, everything, like I guess, like the camera will sometimes err on the side of being a little bit maybe too saturated and like uh, like having a wide dynamic range. And the stuff that you sent after just using the auto button actually, in a lot of ways, seemed more natural. So maybe I just haven't tried it in a while. Yeah, and and you know, I I after those first few examples i started doing it on um a handful of other photos too and it, it doesn't have a hundred percent success rate but it's but it's pretty good and and for the most part seems to get better results than the shot on camera jpeg so i actually just did this for a round of photos i took this past weekend this was like my first time doing this new workflow where normally i would dump the raws into lightroom not do anything with them let them sync over to the Synology and then up into Backblaze B2 and then just never to be seen again. And then, you know, took take the shot on camera JPEGs, dump those into the Photos app, and then also upload them to SmugMug or do whatever else I was going to do to to share them. But this time around, I um, threw a copy of the shot on JPEG or shot on camera JPEGs onto the Synology which I, I think is something you say you do too, just just to have, basically. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why not? Um, which I, I've, I've done that historically too. Like I've always saved a copy of those just onto the Synology just because. But then this time, I you know dumped the RAWs into Lightroom, 
um ran the that that auto tone control thing on them um geotech them in lightroom which i had actually never done before and then um exported them out into jpegs and then imported those into photos and shared those out and that that worked that worked really really well and i was super happy with the results so i think that's that's going to be the new the new flow i think interesting so i'll yeah. i'll still you know i'll still i guess have the camera shoot jpegs cuz i've got that second sd card slot and there could be occasions where maybe just having access when i'm out and about to a you know a, a jpeg version of a photo would be handy but you know it's almost it's like the roles are going to be reversed where historically i've basically relied on the jpegs and not used the raws for anything and now i i think i'm going to primarily use the raws and have the jpegs as sort of a, a fallback of sorts yeah as long as doing so doesn't cause you to be more fussy and share less then yeah it sounds like a sound strategy no i, I mean, actually thought the lightroom workflow was almost better in some ways i don't know so there's something more kind of streamlined about it yeah know. and then in terms of editing and finding uh trying to get better or more experience at lightroom i guess the only thing i would say is that like the next time you have a memory card full of 200 photos once you're importing it into lightroom just quickly scroll through find like your 10 favorite photos and just try to edit those carefully and to see what you changed about it and apply that going forward hmm. yeah all right uh we got nothing else this week chef specials yeah i've got one for you that just came up today um so it occurred to me that i only had like 15 gigabytes of free space on my mac and i've got mm -hmm. like a 500 gigabyte drive mm -hmm. and i don't really store a lot on here so i was like like what is happening like is is google drive doing something weird or is dropbox doing something like is something weird happening and so you know i go to you know about this mac into storage and then you know it it, it does the thing where it like categorizes you know what's on your hard drive and of course there's just this like um 250 gigabyte like other category and i'm like well what like what the hell is that um and you know dug around and dug around as much as i could with the you can click on like manage once you get into that storage tab under about this mac and there's like a few different things you can poke around through but nothing that lets you drill into what's in that other category so you know i did some some google searching as one does and came across a utility which i had heard of before i on some podcasts and stuff so i knew it was like legit and it was in the mac app store um daisy disc which yeah. i'm sure you i'm sure you've heard of and i could tell like right away from the screenshots in the mac app store i'm like oh yeah i think i think this this is what i want and the, the some article that i had originally seen it in had even said that one of the things it's great about is it can allow you to kind of quickly see what's in that you know other category so I, you know, paid the 10 bucks, downloaded it. And, you know, I had spent like an hour trying to figure this out, you know, just in Mac OS. And within like a minute and a half had figured out what it was using Daisy Disk, which was, which was awesome. 
um, t- take a guess. Take a guess what it was. Old iPhone backups. That that's not a bad guess. Um, so I use a utility, which which I had heard of from friend of the show Jason Snell, called mm-hmm. Downlink. I guess not even it's not like a utility. It, it's it's um it's 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 just an app. I, I guess would be how you describe it. So I'll, I'll send you a link and I'll put this in the notes as well. So this just does a thing where ah uh, I remember this. Okay. Yeah, it just sends you like you know satellite images of various parts of Earth that you know refresh every you can say like every hour, every twenty minutes, or um whatever um. So it turns out, and I'll I'll send you um, <laughs> I'll send you a a screenshot of this um, FAQ, which is which is on the the Downlink app website, which again will also be in the notes. There is a known bug where macOS will <laughs> cache the satellite images like the way that downlink is set up is it's supposed to like these images are supposed to just sort of like delete themselves after a while but i guess in some situations including the situation i was in like my mac decided to basically only start deleting those photos like when i was like literally just about to run out of hard disk space and so sure enough, using Daisy Disk, I was immediately able to drill down into this folder that was housing all this stuff. And sure enough, there was like 254 gigabytes of, of these photos because, you know, it, I have it refresh every 20 minutes and I've had this thing for years. <laughs> so uh, that's what it was. And I just deleted all those and I now have like 300 gigabytes free. So. Thank you, Daisy Disk. Ah, uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, Daisy Disk is great. It's very pretty, and yeah, cool. Um, do I have anything? No, I'm just gonna say yeah. Try uh, try try Lightroom, the new Lightroom Classic stuff. It's neat. 